0: We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets.
1: But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the
0: Everyday Driver Car Debate.
1: I love how every car company, social media company, hardware company, has Uh totally been into self-driving cars. Uh Uh-huh. And then this latest news comes along from Apple that they've laid off 200 employees that were working on their self-driving car. Yeah. I found that very interesting. I had yeah. actually met a few of them. And mm-hmm. then early on, when I was back in my tech career, I had kind of cornered some Apple folks, some friends that I know that work there. And I, I, heard, said,
0: I hear they don't like that. They don't like being cornered.
1: Th- they yeah. don't. And I, I was just <laughs> probing. And they, they all said, oh, no, we, we make iPhones. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I said, uh-huh, mm-hmm. sure you do. Well, I guess that's all they do is just make iPhones. <laughs> they don't Confirm. make car yeah. They weren't lying. We'll see.
0: Well, but you know what? I, I hate to say it, but we've talked about it before. Uh, Tesla being the best test case, but then there's lots of other people that prove it as well. Cars are hard. <laughs> cars are not software. Cars no. are not PCs. Once you get into all – and look, this is not to say that Apple's done and they won't resurrect this idea. They'll do something. But sure. it's, this is the thing that's interesting. When software-related companies or, let's be honest, device-related companies get into cars – I've joked about it before. Your PC has to go through no crash testing to make sure it kills no one. That's not even an issue. That's that's never happened. That's true. The amount of the amount of safety and and testing that is required to do a car even badly, is staggering <laughs> compared to devices. That's true. So once these device and software companies get into this, they realize it's remarkably difficult. I mean, there's tribal
1: knowledge with every industry and manufacturing sure. yeah, yeah. anything. They yeah. just don't translate from software and code. On over to actually building cars, the things that we look for, the the feel, that esoteric feel, that undefinable thing that we love about cars. Mm -hmm. And what fascinates me is we're all using the same materials. How can your Lotus be made out of aluminum and steel as it feels so different? Mm -hmm. And it's the construction. It's the ethos. It's the the way things are laid out. It's the weight shift. It's all those things that are so fascinating to me.
0: Welcome back to the podcast. Happy Friday to all of you. Uh, hey, it's the weekend. Guess what? Let's see tomorrow's episode of the TV show on Now Motor Trend Network, formerly Velocity. Uh, how long do I have to put that asterisk <laughs> in my voice? How long does that happen? Do I don't know? think too much longer because everybody knows Motor okay. Trend so, so well. So yeah, Motor Trend Network. Anyway, yeah. the, the episode on tomorrow is the uh, the Moab piece, mm-hmm. and then in a week from now we start our brand new episodes. Guess what? I am busily editing. I know you're not surprised, but I'm busily editing, delivering those, and uh, we will be doing seven brand new episodes starting next week. But this week is that very fun Moab episode. If you didn't see last season's episode of Paul and I, my son at, at the age of eight, and chance in a Jeep Rubicon <laughs> on fins and things in Moab, it is... It's quite absurd to watch. You want to just, just watch us and just kind of laugh along. So we'd love to have you watching that. And then, of course, lots of new stuff coming as well.
1: Agreed. We're hoping to revisit that with uh, more off-roading in the future. It was yeah. fun. It was just I, a taste. I, but it was cool. I want
0: to see if I can take a Gladiator and high-sight it on something. Because I just still think <laughs> that thing is entirely too long. Just- I just think I want to see if I can get that perfect pivot point right I don't there. I you're going to have to right work there too hard on the diff. You know, just just where you'd hear it creaking back and forth. I did it. It's I did it. You know, everybody
1: walk away. Yeah. Yeah, the new content begins Saturday, February 2, 2019. So that's the content Todd's talking about. We are really thrilled to share this with you because it concludes yeah, sure. the Cayman episode, Generations of the Cayman episode. That's, that's so episode two that.
0: of, of the new stuff in the season. Of course, we here in Park City have just begun the Sundance Madness. You and I are going to actually try to go to some movies. Yeah, but it's going to be the Sundance cool. Sundance Madness has happened. I mean, you know, major construction on Main Street. Oh, and man. people descending in cars. And, and the thing is, for the couple of days before Sundance starts, this is first weekend of Sundance. You want to avoid the grocery store. It's, yeah, I it's, like, about that, it's like it's like what happens if if you're in a part of the country that gets tornadoes, or actually tornadoes don't work, that gets uh, major flooding that they see coming, or hurricanes, <laughs> or this kind of stuff where everyone goes to the store. That's what this is: natural all
1: disasters and Sundance.
0: Seriously, it's like our own personal natural disaster. Right. I mean, look, I'm, 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 I'm joking because it really it's really not bad, but it is funny because starting today, which is a Thursday we're recording, through Saturday or so, this is when the big influx of people happens, and the grocery stores are inundated, and you get that thing. My wife's joked about this. It happens with skiers too. Mm. When you come into a ski town or, or a resort town or someplace you're on for vacation is the only time that the entire... Family goes
1: grocery shopping. Oh, yeah, right. Because when you live in a town, well, one of you goes and gets the thing on the list. True. But everybody has a say when you're on vacation because you exactly. eat vacation food. Exactly right. So
0: so there's... Junk food. This is my wife's comment. She'll come around a corner and it's not like there's four people in the aisle. No, there's four families in the aisle and they're yeah, walking right. down the aisle because you don't know the store. You're walking down the aisle looking confused at stuff and going, would I like that? Would would, would Susie eat that? Hey, uh, Tommy, what do you want for breakfast? It's the only time the whole family goes, and the cart is overflowed with (laughs) stuff you're never going to eat.
1: This is the stage we're in right now. Too much of the
0: stuff you're never going to eat. Absolutely. You're going to leave half of it behind in your Airbnb or your uh, hotel room or whatever. Yeah.
1: Seriously. That's why I've always wanted to be in the ketchup business. You buy ketchup and mustard. (laughs) It's the commodity. It just sells. It just sells. there you go. Well, guys, welcome back. As Todd said, we've got a couple of great debates. We are back to live debates for this. That's very cool. We've got a debate from Ron B. He's out in Dallas, Texas, and then Tyler M. I'm not sure where Tyler's located, but this is going to stretch you and I a little bit because he's looking for used 4x4s, which will be fun.
0: I like it. I've got two really good recommendations on that. But before we get to that one after the break, of course, we have lots of questions after the break as well because you guys are killing it with questions. awesome. I'm loving it. We need to do another All Questions podcast just to kind of clean out the queue. (laughs) We
1: do. Anyway, (laughs) but but what
0: we're going to do right now, we're going to call Ron we're going to get Ron we're going to do a live car debate.
1: All right. Here we go. Hello, Paul. Ron, hey, you've got both of us, actually. Ron, how are you, sir? Ron uh, and
2: Paul. I'm doing well,
1: gentlemen. How are y'all? Hey. Doing well. Doing well, <laughs> man. Good. good to hear you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being game to do this. I know it's uh, it can be a little nerve-wracking, but thanks for being game. Well, and, cool. and honestly, Ron, this
0: requires zero prep on your part. We're just looking at your, at your car debate and... Uh, you know, we're just taking it and going, okay, let's actually get a conversation going and we'll see what we can do. So, Fair
2: enough.
1: You remember our live debates that we've been doing. We are actually back doing some more. It's my intention to do more of these this year, as a matter of fact. People have told us that they not only like hearing the live debates, but they like hearing what people bought. So Mm -hmm. it's... It's almost on Ron to let us know what he ends up buying. Well, no pressure to poor Ron here. I don't think we're going to do He's not
0: buying during
1: the phone call. He's That's buying not
0: during the phone call. We're doing the
1: transaction. <laughs> we're going to get the bank on the phone. Just terrible. Kidding.
0: So, Ron, Ron you're, in, you're in the Dallas area, right? That is correct. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. We're thrilled to have you here. We have, uh, you have a long, long history of Mazda ownership. We need to unpack that a bit, see if we can find you a new uh, a new sedan, full-size sedan, no less, of which there are fewer and
1: fewer. I don't know if you heard about this CUV yeah. thing that's happening, Ron, but that's happening. Yeah. <laughs> the, the CUV craze. That is happening. Although he does, his wife owns a CX-9. Which is, all right. There you go. Perfect. All right, Ron, to start out, tell us a, a little bit about your Mazda love here and then kind of your time frame, because your email came in a little while back, but I had emailed you and said, you know, have you bought anything? Are you still looking? What is your time frame? Where are you at? And then also, I want to go into your company car. I think you need to explain a little bit about that. But but yeah, what's your time frame right now?
2: My time frame is probably going to be in the next six to eight months. Okay. And my history of Mazda started in 2010. I, I had bought a Mazda 3 Grand Touring. Okay. 2.5 through 16 manual. Loved the car. Loved the way it drove. But a couple of years later, I bought a an i touring Mazda 6, drove that for a couple of years, and then we bought a Mazda 6 2015 Grand Touring, which became my wife's car.
0: Cool. So, okay. All right. And
2: again, we both really enjoyed driving it. November of last year, we bought a CX-9 Signature Edition. Okay. And driving home that evening, I again realized that what I wanted was a full-size Mazda sedan that... Would have more room than the six, more power than the six, mm-hmm. and on the luxury level that the signature provides.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And so that began me be thinking,
0: why aren't they doing this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so this is this <laughs> is, is how we know CV that, uh, that Ron on. has the car disease is because he looked at a model lineup and went, "I want the only car they don't make." That, that's really that's really what we all do. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah, we, we look at a model we're we like, and we're like, doing that. you know what would be cool? Mm-hmm. If we took these parts and we made the thing that you don't. So, uh, <laughs> all right.
1: So, so you have you, the ability, you've got the capacity, totally, but
0: I'm your market. Come on, guys. Exactly. Well, hello. Except for BMW, who wants to sell five of something, but they only pick well, the yeah. oddball things. I know, which is inexplicable. Right. We we love Ron that department. you like. Exactly. We love Ron that you like the Mazdas that much. I mean, we're obviously big fans, and typically, and you've even said it in your email, they tend to drive really well in every market segment. We agree with you. So you've got a lot of Mazda love here, but you don't drive a Mazda right now, personally.
2: No, I don't. I have a company car that everybody for a
1: three hundred c Okay. Okay. All right. Yep.
2: And partly what drives that is the room.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, that's why people are buying SUVs, but you know, but you want there's a lot car- of space in well, a sedan too. Good job there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> right. And, and I, and previous to this, I had a suburban.
1: Okay.
0: Sure.
2: Sure.
1: That must have been great
0: for gas. Yeah. It was excellent for commuting. It's <laughs> great. Really good. Yeah.
2: Well, part of part of what drove that was um, I have two sons. All one right. is six foot two.
0: And the other one is six foot
2: five.
1: Okay. They're, they're big guys. Gosh, hey, guys, you're going to be listening at some point. I know it. So, what we're
0: going to do is we're going to get you in like an FRS, something with a really <laughs> small back seat, and just be like, best of luck, guys. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> go on. Yeah.
1: Well, keep going about your 300C. And, yeah, for and sure. uh, you mentioned in your email here that you're driving a lot, at, actually, in a monthly basis. And then explain a little bit about your. Company stipend here that is kind of healthy. I've noticed you've got a lot of money here on a monthly basis for sure. Yeah, it's good it is. My employer is very generous,
2: and one of the things that they do to help promote responsible driving is they 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 provide you an incentive to buy cars that are fuel
0: efficient because okay. it helps
2: the company out.
0: Sure, hence sure, sure. the suburban. We yes. get it. Suburbans, three hundred <laughs> C's, and 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 anything with at least seven hundred horsepower. This is really where we're
1: going, Robert. We're here to help. <laughs> right, we right. really are. Yeah. So, okay, okay so, so responsible driving so, equals fuel economy for them, right? Got it.
2: Right, and, and plus it, it helps their bottom line at the end of the year when they don't spend as much money on fuel.
1: Okay. All right.
2: But in exchange for buying more, if you're a more efficient car, they will give me a generous amount of money to do so. They'll, they'll help subsidize the purchase.
1: Which is pretty cool. I, I don't know that I've heard of any yeah, that's cool. companies besides yours so far, at least, doing this. Because you mentioned 35 miles per gallon or better nets you a stipend of 4500 bucks, which is huge.
0: Correct. Yeah, that's, that's great. amazing. It's fantastic. It it's fantastic. Except... We're now going to lay that alongside uh, Ron and his very large sons, and I would like a full size car. And now we're not going to hit 35. We're just not. Let's just accept the fact right now that's not happening. Not even close.
1: (laughs) Well, you mentioned in here the desired minimum miles per gallon is 20 combined, so city highway. And I'm guessing you're kind of a mix of both, highway and city driving, depending on where your customers are. Is that correct?
2: That is correct. And most (laughs) of the time, my driving is, is highway.
1: Okay. All right. So you're cruising mostly. So you you said
2: pretty good average. You're
1: doing how many miles a month?
2: Oh, anywhere from thirty five hundred to four thousand.
0: A month. All right! Wow! Yeah, you're okay. living in this all right. thing. Yeah, yeah. This this is gonna this is gonna get some distance. Okay, so we have all of these realities now. That stipend that you mentioned earlier that goes down obviously with the miles per gallon. It's down to it looks like right. we're here about a thousand dollars a month if it's a 20, 20 mile per gallon car. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm, I'm calling that out because I'm calling my shot. Okay, okay. we're not being it. Thir- we're not we're not up at 35 30 if, miles a gallon. That's not happening. Okay? If Ron
1: gets a Hellcat, he has to start paying his company for the use of the car. Yes, in addition yes. to buying it himself. Totally. We, we're That's not. Pretty we're much not, what that. Yeah. Means. There's not I'm not going to be a well, Dodge
0: demon with the stipend going back the other <laughs> right. way. That's not happening. But look at the space. <laughs> it's fast, spacious. Come on. What's not to like? Right. I actually, I just had a, just this second, Ron, I had a terrible idea. Oh, no. You're in Dallas. John Hennessy's yeah. in Houston. Oh no. Can you no no no, no here's here's my question oh, no. here's my question. Does the company calculate this based on what fueleconomy.gov says is the miles per gallon? Uh-huh. Because then you get a car that normally gets twenty, take it to John Hennessy and well, because it's and, John Hennessy, triple the horsepower. And say, now it's getting John, single digits, but not according to fueleconomy.gov.
1: It it does great, it does twenty. John, can you know, make me store Oh, my company's helping me out? Yeah. Company meet John. Mm-hmm. John meet company. All right, all right. Terrible. No, we're not doing that this either. My call. We're,
0: we're not doing that either. Yeah, you would for sure. So, okay. So, what we what we're trying to accomplish here for Ron and and catch me if I'm wrong here anywhere, Ron, is essentially we need a full size sedan that right, is hopefully right. somewhat fun to drive and actually has decent gas mileage. Now, if we were living in the <laughs> Mazda world, this well, is a hard. It's kind of a hard list. If if we were living in the Mazda world, they'd have that kind of light Mazda precise feel.
1: But we don't yeah. have that car. Right. And so slightly this what underpowered, what what the feeling would be. It wouldn't be the Hellcat. It'd yeah, be you're right. a the great Mazda, drive, slightly the underpowered. The Mazda would be, it's
0: just, it's just enough power. It's just enough. <laughs>
1: like, yeah. <laughs> oh, you want to pass two trucks and get around a whole bunch of traffic? No, you're not going to just one at a time, pick people off one at a time. One of
0: the cars you mentioned here that I want to talk about real quickly is you said that you uh, – You'd love to have something like a Mercedes S-Class. You're currently driving a 300C. We're starting to get the sense of, okay, full-size, good rear-wheel drive cars. I like all of that. You also mentioned you're wondering about both the uh, the Kia Stinger and the the Genesis G70. But in here and in your discussion, it's clear. You need back seats with room. And I hate to say this, Ron, because I like the G70. The G70 is flat out. I agree. It's just there's it's not enough right room. It, yeah. it, the back seats, the the front seats are great. The back seats, honestly, what we did, we were at the L.A. Auto Show. We got in that car recently, and we're going to put it on camera here soon. But we got in that car recently, and since Paul and Chance and I were all walking the show together, we're all about the same height, even though body types are different. Yeah, we have
1: very different. One of us, but yes. one of us
0: would jump in the driver's seat, and the other one would jump behind us, and the G70 worked for none of us in the back seat. Now, if you had yeah. you know normal sized uh, young teenagers, it probably still is okay. In your situation, with clients in the back or your boys in the back, it's just not big enough. Now, the Kia Stinger may be, but because it actually it's is a little enough. bit bigger, it's a little yeah, bit bigger. It's big enough. But the the G seventy, I hate to say, it is out for you. It's too small. So I'm also mentioning that here just so the audience has a reference of cars that are getting too small, and honestly, this also takes out, we are talking full-size, this takes out, believe it or not, that whole kind of swath of the world. We're talking three series and this this kind of stuff. It does. we got to be like
1: five series equivalents and up for this discussion. Mm -hmm. Correct. Okay, Ron, question for you. In all of this, is there anything, any perception at your company or clients where if they see a particular kind of car Mm -hmm. or a badge, Mm -hmm. they're going to wonder and that could actually come up in a joking way like, ah, we're... We're paying you too much money, like how come you're driving that flashy thing? Is is there any hint of that in your job?
2: Well, no, not not really, because most of the guys I deal with drive trucks that
0: cost more than my car. Yes. Well this is Texas. And yeah, I can always remind them Dallas. of that. Yes, excellent. Yeah. This is, yeah,
1: totally totally agree with that for sure. Even okay, though good. it's still not the perception, but it's the reality yeah. of yeah. pickup trucks Sure, these sure. Days. Yeah, yeah, okay. Totally. Okay, that uh, helps. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I understand what you're saying here, and I know where
2: you're going, but really honestly, I can't imagine there being anything that would cause a problem.
0: Okay. All right, cool. Well, I have <laughs> Eddie Brand uh, goes then. Sweet. I I have uh, a few cars to bring up I kind of want to talk through with you and get your reactions on them. But what what kind of list are you looking at, Paul?
1: I've actually got a pretty healthy list here, three or four, and I've got a wild card for you that is very wild and out there because good, good, good. the biggest thing that I'm hearing from Ron is reliability. Mm-hmm. 3500 to 4000 miles per month means he yeah. just needs to walk outside, get in the car, drive away, not have to continue yes. uh, I've got to get somewhere important today hope my car runs. Yeah, it can't yeah, yeah. be that kind of thinking. True, it's just got to go. Well, and I'm also sure the maintenance is there, regularly speaking, but yeah. you, know, you just need reliability. We
0: also can't be in a situation where this has to get service right this minute every other month. I mean, that's also a problem. Yeah. I mean, we can't have many Which major yeah. downtime. means either. my
1: wild card is just that. It's, it's more of a pipe dream than anything, but <laughs> okay, I do good. want to tell you about it. Does it have a Porsche badge? No, as a matter of oh, fact. Wow. That's why I asked. It <laughs> I, doesn't. I've, 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 I'm shocked. Okay. I've, I've been searching for these cars. And by the way, we haven't said yet, Ron, your budget is still about $40,000. Is that correct? That's correct.
0: Okay. okay. All right. Good. We're going to
1: blow that up. <laughs> of
0: course you are. No, no, uh, no. One's oh, yeah. Surprised. Yeah. The, <laughs> the fall off.
1: Yeah. For well, sure. Well, I, I started with the, the high end of things at $48,988. Uh-huh. 2016 Cadillac CTS V. Okay. 36,000 miles. But I thought that might be a little high. For Ron, 48000 yeah. there. I have that's the CTS
0: there. on my list. I don't, didn't think he could pull off a V for this, but the CTS is a contender otherwise. I agree with that.
1: I mean, the V, you want the power, you mileage.
0: then the we're talking single-digit mi- mileage. Ron, yeah, are you a
1: person Ron would are be you a cackling. person who
0: can keep your foot out of that engine? Because <laughs> I'm guessing no if you're writing to us, but I'm asking. Uh, I can't when I need to. Oh, okay. Well, Cruise control is your friend. I will say, I commuted in the Hellcat Charger when we had it. and One was day. One I was day. shocked. No, no. But no, I'm not, I'm not, this isn't a gas mileage discussion. It's <laughs> okay. a discussion of how much power you have to use. Oh, we yes. have a crazy powerful car like that, and that CTS-V is 650 horsepower and torque. It's the Z06 motor mm-hmm. in a right. sedan, inexplicably. But there it is. And John Hennessy could make it to 1,000. I'm just saying, you're close to Houston. Anyway, but, um, <laughs> but seriously, I use that Hellcat. John Hennessy, I round up. Yeah. <laughs> that's the shirt for John. Rounding up to a thousand. That's what the the shirt is. Anyway, no, but the the Hellcat, actually, I could use 10% of throttle doing my commute over a mountain pass. So you can do this. Nobody really wants to, because let's be honest, that's not fun. But uh, that is possible. I like the Caddy CTS quite a bit. Uh, The only question there, Ron, for me, for you, is uh, now CTSV would be just more fun. But have you yeah. been in one? Do you like the styling and have you been in a CTS? My mom
2: had a CTS, but it was not the V, obviously.
0: Um, Albertine's <laughs> is a
1: bit of an issue.
0: Did she have the current model, the one that we're just coming out of, or did she have the one prior? She had the one prior. Well, it did so that improve. That was an entirely different
1: platform. It actually. did improve, okay. but. Uh... And this
2: is the opel based car, correct? Yeah.
0: This is the this is the the one we're just finishing that currently is available. You could still get that's the one you looked up, right, Paul? Okay. Yeah,
1: this is a twenty sixteen. So okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Okay. So the, the visibility is all right. It's still a big car. Mm-hmm. The yeah. other reason I bring it up is because the um the Q system is a leather hated thing and most people don't like it. But otherwise oh, yes. it's actually a pretty nice interior. I, I think you know, I think that is a, a real contender, though. I, I like the CTS-V option. It's just a little above the budget.
1: Just stare at your phone, okay. problem solved. Like everybody else, just look at your phone. Don't
0: stare at your... We will. We should never recommend
1: staring at the phone. <laughs> anyway. Just kidding. Yeah. Okay, so I backed off on the budget a little bit from 48000 Dropped it to forty three. actually. <laughs> We're still not below forty for poor Ron, but keep going. The other day, you mentioned the Lexus GSF. Yes. And I found one, a 2016 with 13,000 miles. This Mm -hmm. thing is still in the wrapper. Mm -hmm. 43.9. I'll bet you they'd let it have for 43 flat. Here's the thing. Unfortunately,
0: you and I are aligning on this and you're blowing up my spot because I have the Lexus GS on here twice. Oh, you do? One is, and this is honestly, Ron, I think you need to take a serious look at this car. The Lexus GS is bigger than you even think. It is a very large car, and, and, I, and, yeah. in, and in this John situation, Hennessey, bigger this, than you think. In this situation, who do I'm we? I'm going to keep working on this. Who do we get podcast. that much mileage? He, he needs to be co- contacting us. His marketing department can reach getting. the show at anyway. No, um, but it's it's a genuinely very large car. There's a lot of space in it. We know because it's a Lexus, it's just going to run. The mm-hmm. other thing that is great about Lexus in your situation is Lexus. This is the entire reason my mother-in-law has bought only these cars for twenty years, because Lexus is great about loaner cars. So if you were ever to have an issue, you just keep driving because they've got a loaner car, which is helpful. That's not the reason to buy, but it's nice in your situation. <laughs> um, I but, bought your but car because thing. you have such no, great here, loaner here's the programs. Thing. The, the, my, that's my that's my mother-in-law right there in a sentence. Uh, anyway, but the Lexus GS, there's the 350 F-Sport, which we like mm-hmm. that setup in the IS. But the 350 F-Sport is their rear-wheel drive six-cylinder. That gets over right. 20 miles to the gallon combined. You really want the GSF, which is the big V8 and the rear-wheel drive. That'd be, that'd be more fun. Let's be honest; it just is more fun. But of course, that's <laughs> going to bring you down to like 19 or 20. So it depends on how you want to how you want to chase that. If you keep if, his foot out of it, yes, sure. Your commute commute miles are going to help you with that miles per gallon. Mm-hmm. Obviously, mm-hmm. the GSF with the V8, I think, is in my top two cars for you. Is okay. it the the 350 F Sport? I think is viable if you really want to be concerned. Here's here's my thinking, Ron. You should drive both. To see, I mean, we know what Paul and I would pick, but to see, <laughs> would you rather the V8? Because if the if the 350F Sport feels good enough for you, then you get a little bit of, of cost break because they're, they're yeah, cheaper sure. used. And, of course, you'll get a benefit on mileage. I think you're going to want the GSF with the V8, but at least drive both to get a sense. I think that GS would just run, have the space, and be so reliable you're not even going to think about it. It's one of my top two, honestly. Mm. Okay. By the way,
1: Ron, in all of this, do you yep. have any uh, preconceived notions or any biases towards any car manufacturers? Because we're jumping in assuming that you're open to most. But there are many people that write to mm-hmm. us and say, you know what, no fours, no GMs, or they say only American cars, or... You know what I mean? They There's just There's people their with faculties. the list where,
0: where they should give us the list of the cars they will drive because the ones they won't is so yes. long. We're going, what's left? I anyway, have failed
1: yeah. to ask you this question, and I'm curious to know where you stand. Are you kind of open to anything or not so?
0: Well, I, mostly I would be
2: open to anything except for that I do really have to factor in maintenance costs and the mm-hmm. frequency that that would happen at the mileage that I drive. Sure. So, okay. so obviously the more inherently reliable a car is, the more I'm going to lean that direction.
1: Okay. okay, but you, right. it sounds like you're open to trying things, right? Absolutely. Okay, great. great. All right. Uh, well, then I'm going to get to two cars that are real. Now that you've said that,
0: <laughs> watch Paul go.
1: More on the real side of things. More on the real side of the equation. First of all, is a 2017 Volvo S90. I wondered if you'd go there. The T6 inscription, yeah. actually all-wheel drive with 20,000 miles, is right at 40. It's thirty dollars Really? Okay. 40K is now the sweet spot for S90s. That you is can a deal. It. That is a deal on these that These are car, awesome cars. Honestly. Ron, I drove one of these at our track day a year and a half ago, and uh-huh. the car's too big for me. It's it's not for you know the market that I'm looking for, but I just wanted to experience mm-hmm. it. I thought, all right, this is the big one from Volvo. Yeah. What yeah. have they done? Is there any goodness inside as far as a driving enthusiast is concerned? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I came away really liking it, but it's not for me. Okay. But it's it's great size and mm-hmm. it's jewelry. It's the opposite of the Mercedes. But in some ways, I think it's better because mm. it doesn't have the badge snobbery, and it's right. every bit as luxurious and spacious as that S class you've been looking at.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's it's, fair. It's
1: it's a contender for me.
0: I don't know. And again, you have to drive all of these. A lot of drive homework comes out of this, Ron. I I don't know if that S ninety is going. You're going to find it fun enough to drive you might not but i think you would be hard pressed to find a nicer place to be yeah, Honestly. from a commute standpoint, Honestly. you just look around and love yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and let's be honest. Look, I'm from Texas. I'm, I'm from Houston. My wife's from Dallas. I've done all those big Texas roads. We're not chasing uh, canyons anyway. I realize that. So no. if you're, when, you're, when you're, <laughs> you're racking up the miles on cruise control, I mean, that's got smart cruise control and all the stuff. It
1: matters. I,
0: I see where you are on that S90, Paul, because that that really is... That's rare air as far as a nice place to be. You'd be looking around, going, "This is." I'm very happy in here, yeah, because yeah. I'm not
1: hooning. Well, yes. you know. Yes. I mean, you'll be patting yourself on the back for making such a great choice. You'll be congratulating yourself. <laughs> That's really what you we're go. going for, Rod. It's just you to be congratulating <laughs> yourself. That's really what we're here for. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Last car before the wild card, which is pretty much out based on your <clears throat> reliability questions and your maintenance questions. But there is a car that I was also shocked is forty grand. 2018 infinity Q 50 red sport 400 really with 400 horsepower found one with 16,000 miles for 39 six. I like the car. I don't know if it's big enough. That's my concern. Mm -hmm. They're big, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if it's quite big enough. So there's, there's a bit of compromise there, but they're 40 grand for, and there's a a lot lot of them at 40 grand Mm -hmm. thing has 400 horsepower infinity's direct adaptive steering with different levels of steering feel and feedback dynamic digital suspension which which means it's actually the steering that's
0: not connected to anything that we hate to say much. that that's what really all those acronyms are it's just digital steering right off the cliff anyway, just yeah. kidding uh,
1: yeah. And it's got the seven speed auto with solid magnesium paddle shifters i'm trying to sell this car to you right <laughs> come on yeah, okay. It might not be big enough, but it's, impressed that Infiniti did this because they're essentially taking the GTR mindset and looking at their sedans, the Q50. Yeah, yeah. And it was executed in this Red Sport 400 The, the Q50, body.
0: even without steering feel of, you know, you're driving an Airbus and it's not actually connected to anything, in spite of that, the <laughs> Q50, it does drive very well. It's a little well. disconcerting, I will, I will but it drives you, well. I will give you that, uh, that encouragement. It does drive very well. My concern is I think we're in, this would be in my wildcard world, we're in Alpha Julia side where it's it feels big for a midsize, but it's not quite a full size. And I right. think it might not be okay. big enough.
1: Uh, but I like the idea quite a bit. I think it's cool. I mean, it's, it's questionable. It's something to look at. And the reason I gravitated towards these is because it's like Mazda would do a hot rod. Kind yeah. of. Right. It has that, yeah. you know, of course it's Japanese. It has a similar feel to what we like about Mazdas. And it's got a lot of power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Probably good mileage. People are going to walk up to the car and think, Ron what what did you get what what's this I wasn't aware yeah. of these things and yeah. you know knew they're way above 50 I think they're pushing 60 grand so those have fallen off a cliff which brings me to the wild card really Uh-oh. quickly we haven't
0: even got wild
1: enough for Paul yet Ron hang on no. it's going to get weirder and <laughs> yeah. I admit because your maintenance and reliability this just remains an idea but Yeah I understand the E39 BMW M5 you're going way back I'm going way back okay found a 2000 model with oh, okay. the
2: 400 horsepower.
1: With 400 yeah. horsepower, manual transmission. I found yeah. one with only 38,000 miles in royal red metallic with the caramel interior. Whoa. Okay. It's only thirty-five nine. Whoa.
0: That's, and I say, yeah.
1: I say only. It's compelling. There's another one on there with 60,000 miles, 61,000, an 2 M5, but it's been fully sorted. I mean, the owner has done everything, replaced everything that has. Has a hint of failing in the future, Mm, mm. they've replaced it so higher mileage, but it's been fully sorted, you know. Anything from yeah, brake boosters to whatever that is, so the money has been dumped into it despite the high mileage, higher, higher, but 60,000 miles in a fully sorted M5 for the same price. They're both under 40. Interesting, interesting. It's something (laughs) to think about, but again, maybe you pay five grand less, maybe you pay 35. All that money is going to be going right back into the car for maintenance. Yes, yeah. I mean you're
0: you're you're in the older enthusiast icon world. I, you know, this is striking me right now. I would almost, if it was my money, I would almost buy that older E39. Non-naturally aspirated, four hundred horsepower M5 over the newer ones, where mm-hmm. they got crazy and the engines got nuts. Yeah. and now they don't. They they decided they don't want to work. You know what I mean? Or oh yeah, <laughs> well, they, you need to do an engine because it was F1 derived. We just got to exactly. pull a whole new engine in, which
1: they're cheap. They're twenty five thousand yeah, dollars. They're insane.
0: The There's a reason for that.
1: Cheap F1 engines. Yeah, anyway. Everyone. Yay. Cheap
0: F1 engines. There's, there's that's a band name. Anyway, so I, I see where you are, but of course, obviously at this point, Ron, we're going into more. I hate to say it, more of an enthusiast car and less of a workaday car.
1: Very much so. Yeah, but okay. just something to think about because you said in your email here that you love '93 Porsche RS Americas.
0: Yeah.
2: When I was a kid, yes.
1: You okay. mean you, you've stopped was loving been them? That
2: something I would have loved to have
1: had. Don't tell me you've stopped loving them. <laughs> no,
2: I, I haven't stopped loving them. I'm, I'm talking about driving to work every day.
1: Uh,
0: that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so so essentially
0: Rod, where I'm gonna go is you should get a lotus Elise and we'll be done. Thanks for calling. No. No seriously.
2: Yeah, okay, well obviously. In red, <laughs>
0: exactly. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. At least pick a, a color for sure. No, I, I want to give you my top three, Ron, and I've already talked about a couple of them, but I want to revisit them real quick. Uh, I do like that Caddy CTS. I think that's interesting. Uh, there's a car in here that I think is wild card for me, but I don't think it's good enough, and that is a Buick LaCrosse. It's interesting in size, and you could get a deal on a new one. Mm. I don't think it's going to be enthusiast enough.
1: No, and I don't. Are think- you curious? I, I, yeah, I'm. I'm not feeling the Buick LaCrosse thing. Yeah, I think I, I was. I was just
0: trying to look at what are the things that check the boxes, and it was like, well, GM got close, but of course, I have to do the obvious, obvious I'm play. Okay, everybody's shocked. I haven't mentioned it yet, and I am serious now, Ron. Chevy okay. SS.
1: There it is. Chevy SS. All
0: day long for okay. forty grand. Look, that car is more fun in the manual, and in your situation, I don't care. Get because the six speeds are cheaper. Get yourself a six are. speed yeah. used with the with the magnetic ride control. If you find yourself okay. on an outside of Austin, uh, outside of Austin, Texas fun back road, you just dial that suspension up and have. A, you're late for the lunch meeting. Nobody knows why. Ron's on a back road. That's what's just happened. <laughs> this <laughs> okay. is the hold my beer car. It, it, I this, gotta show
1: you what it can do. The hang, Chevy SS hang on.
0: is fantastic to drive. Yeah. Go ahead and just get the automatic in your situation. It's a Chevy. It's just gonna run. Now I did look it up. Miles per gallon on that is coming in at about 18 18 19 keep your foot out of it and try but anyway but (laughs) but no those cars are out there they're cheap they run uh, you can get them used get the magnetic ride control get the automatic and just Mm. be fine with it that is uh, no one is surprised about that car but honestly ron it's a good car with good space i think you would thoroughly enjoy it i'm leaning you more toward the enthusiast world right now let me put it to you this way the the s90 that paul recommended is the is the really nice uh, commuter car st- side of this equation, even though I think it'd still be decent to drive. The SS yes. is more enthusiast back road, but they're both pr- great for what you're needing mm-hmm. as far as just that. saw through the miles and run and those kind of things. So Chevy SS is on my short list for you. The Kia Stinger you need to drive. Agreed. And Agreed. the Lexus GS, hopefully the F for you, but maybe the 350 F Sport. I think one okay. of those cars is your car, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like this. Well, I appreciate the input.
1: Okay, so we've blasted you with car choices here. I, I know it's going to take some time to digest, and you may have to go back and re-listen to the podcast, but where are you leaning? I'm just curious, your initial thoughts. What What strikes you initially?
2: I would have to say probably the Lexus GS. Okay. One of the variations on that.
1: Okay. Yeah, we like um, that car. You
2: know, also, I wanted to ask you about the, the T80. How much of an influence do you think that, what's his name, Albert Beerman, who came over from mims Mm-hmm. BMW, do you think his influence has been on that car?
1: I do think it brings influence there's bmw engineers being poached left and right because people know car companies know that they do bring this influence and one of the primary things on their minds is that driving feel and the driving connectedness so what? i do think that's going to matter and there will be choices you know you can probably be in the engineering meetings there's choices that lean one way to think the component is a little bit more expensive but it gives this better feeling which mm. we can market differently and kind of put it in a different category it's what todd was talking about the difference between the chevy ss and the volvo you mm-hmm. know the chevy ss is you know muscle car but it's got a great ride and yeah you know the volvo is going to be great but it's a cocoon yeah yeah right. it's that kind of thinking i i do like that the the g80 is definitely
0: worth the drive mm-hmm. while you're while you're driving stuff there's no reason not to i okay. agree with that yeah
1: Sounds good. yeah yeah that's that's some good driving homework i mean there's some random choices on here that we've given you obviously but you know, if it strikes you, you know, got a fun Saturday with your boys and head there out. And, there you go. You know, yeah. they're your testers right there because you can just say, hey, guys, I need you to pretend you're my clients.
0: Anything else that we've discussed here that uh, that strikes you or you just think, no, I, I must run away from that? Because we get it wrong, <laughs> too. Yeah, mm-hmm. You know,
2: obviously the uh, the 2000 M5 would be a great car, but I would wind up miling that thing out within the first 18 sure. months.
0: Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. so
2: it, it, you would hate to take a car like that and do that. Yeah, especially I see if that. you found one that somebody had not driven a lot initially, and then turn around and just just wear it out, and, and I wouldn't want to do that.
0: <laughs> you didn't do miles, well, but let me catch up. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Let me fix that for you.
2: Yeah, let me catch
0: up. Okay, cool. Well, hopefully there's something in here that has been helpful. We would love to hear as you go out and actually drive stuff and consider. We'd love to hear the stuff that you end up driving. And I'm going to defend Paul real quick and I'm going to give you some, some leash to run with, Ron. One of the reasons that the Paul limiter exists is because we do this and so do so many people that write us back. They're like, my budget is 35 grand. And they write back and like, you know, I said thirty-five grand, but I bought this $55,000 car. We go, wait, what just happened? <laughs> exactly. Well, the recommendations would have been totally different. So we, we know you have a budget, but we're curious to see where the actual shopping takes you. And you may discover something where okay. you're just like, guys, hey, this doesn't have a big back seat I wanted, but you know what? I like it so much that it works. I, I'd love to hear that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. we hope yeah. we've been helpful, But and, we've, and we'd and love having you on with us. That's really cool. I hope something here actually sparks you in a direction where you go, this is my car.
1: Yeah, agreed. Hey,
2: gentlemen, I really appreciate you taking time out to have me on your podcast i watch your show regularly and i really appreciate what you do and taking time out to reach reach out to me and and offer this this assistance has been uh Really flattering,
1: so I, I appreciate it. Well, we're thrilled to have you on. Thank you for listening. Thanks for watching. And uh,
0: yeah, thanks for joining us.
1: Hey, guys, if you've got All your right. own debate like Ron here, please write to us TV at gmail.com. You can find us on the website. So, the contact button, upper right corner under the About tab, you can click there on it is. that. It's always been. That's there. exactly what Ron did. And, you know, it might be eligible. I just, I liked your story, Ron. I liked that you were a large sedan, you had a specific purpose, you have this budget to work with it kind of stood out to me. It's a little mm-hmm. bit different because of the SUV, the SUV craze that's sure, going on. It sure, just, sure. It kind of stuck out. I, I liked that. So if, if you think it's eligible, you've got a story, and you you know, you want to throw caution to the wind, and get that $24 glass of wine when you take your clients out, write to us. <laughs>
0: whoa, whoa, now we're drinking and driving. I don't know why this happened. It's the filmmaker me. I suddenly saw this image of Ron standing on car row in Dallas. <laughs> Scratching his <laughs> head. St- st- standing there, and, and the leaves are blowing through, and he's standing there, you know, western style. It's a really low Shot, you know, he's standing there and, and Tumbleweed rolls like, he's, by. Like, like he's about to draw a gun, but, but he's going to draw out his wallet. And he's sitting there going, Look, I want a large sedan. Mm-hmm. Nobody's got anything for me, nothing. Nothing? So is this, this a is short the world film? Is almost. You want to make? Almost. But but the point is starring the fact you, Ron. That, that Ron is showing up <laughs> with, wanting an actual full size sedan, and everybody in almost every market, except for, let's be honest, the American market has almost left this, and the Asian markets are stepping in to fill the, the void uh-huh. because everybody apparently wants SUVs, but not Ron. So good <laughs> job fun. on you, Ron. Good job. All right.
1: <laughs> We don't have any sedans, but sir, may I steer you towards a nice Yukon right this way?
0: It's huge and gets
1: terrible mileage. Oh man! Step anyway, right over here.
0: Thanks again, Ron. Uh, clearly, this could happen for the next four hours. <laughs> we will let you return to your life and family. And uh, thanks for joining us.
1: Appreciate it, Ron. Thank thanks, you thanks so a much, right. That was here. cool. Yeah, it's great. I, I love joining really these car debates.
0: It's, it's fun. It's fun to do it. I hope we can continue to do them kind of regularly. I, I know well, this sounds yes. weird, but yes. the n- main reason they stopped is twofold. One. Uh, my brain was elsewhere because of the Corvette film, and it was like, I can't add another brain to this discussion. That was part of it. The other other part of it was we had no phone. I mean, not that phones are difficult, but in, in, in the great great stealing of gear of 2018, of course the phone was in the bag too. Right, the right. Well, phone. our personal yeah.
1: phones weren't, but the the show phone that we use, mm-hmm. the the number that we use, that yeah. was gone so anyway. because it was in my backpack, and that was taken. Yeah, anyway, ceremoniously
0: so. no longer here.
1: Yes. No, honestly, our whole intention here is to be helpful, and there's no yeah. there's no reason to stress out about anything. It's you know we look at it as a fun conversation. We're for gonna sure. you know needle whoever gets on with us. Yes, brace but yourself. For being but it's game. Fun. Yeah. You know, if, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, if we approach it a live debate there's of course no obligation but it really sprung out of wanting to help people and really find your next car for sure yeah for sure. it's a debate but then hopefully it gives you some ammunition to move forward and start the buying process and go from there so well and it does that thank thing you,
0: where people can respond as as ron did and just say okay here's my impression of this brand or have you guys thought about this one yeah and, right and that that becomes much more of a conversation than it is when you and i are debating though that is fun as well so we'll be at, back with a traditional debate right after this
1: as you gear up for the biggest game of the season, Podcast One Sportsnet is teaming up with the Underdog Network to be your one-stop shop for all things football. Tune in to the Underdog Sports NFL show to analyze the best plays of the postseason or the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour to create the perfect lineup before the best teams in the league duke it out in Atlanta on February 3rd. Check out all the wonderful shows on the Underdog Network every week on Podcast One Sportsnet or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Here we go. We've got Tyler, who's written to us a question that some people have, but we don't really touch on this a lot. Yeah, and that's yeah. off roading. It's the four by four thing.
0: Well, but it's not. But it's not hardcore. Like I'm going to go to Moab every weekend. It's, no, no, I need to go to the trailhead. I need to go down this dirt road with my it's, gear because I like camping. to get into it's the forest. It's that path, kind of four x four, not four by four for the sake of four
1: x four, which is a whole other different animal. <laughs> Welcome to the Moab piece. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. So Tyler currently has a manual transmission 2011 Volkswagen. Golf, mm-hmm. it's the two door, two and a half liter. He wants to keep it, but he needs something with more cargo space for twelve thousand dollars. Yep, yep. And he's looking at a true four by four, not something that's all wheel drive. And you know, a Fire Road is like at the upper edge of its abilities. Sure, sure, sure. He yeah. wants true four wheel drive, as you said. You know, tr- you know, some off roading. Mm-hmm. It might not be the full Moab thins and things experience, but it might be trailhead access. It it's might destination be, stuff. You know, is car what it camping yeah. where you yeah. can. I've always thought you should just you know have some donkeys and you load it up with the grill and the cooler full of steaks and you know and you just hike into the backcountry <laughs> and the donkeys grumble the entire yeah. time. Why with, do these people with break the so huge much? Huge tent, yeah, all the stuff. Yeah, but yeah, you know I like car camping too, so I I get it. And he's been looking at Forerunners, pre- pretty much Toyota anything right mm-hmm. now, yeah. Tacomas and Forerunners, third generation Forerunners or first generation Tacomas because they're reliable, mm-hmm. they run, they're yeah. made for this kind of thing. Absolutely, yeah. But he's saying, what other used options are out there? Because this Toyota brand price tag. And by that, Tyler, I think you mean the value that they hang on to. They do. do. Inherently... People want the Toyotas. They especially <laughs> want the Land Cruisers. Yeah. And even the Lexus, like that GX Lexus. <laughs> I mean, those are kind of the alt. Yeah. They use Toyota they parts, but people are discovering those, I think, more and more because it's the Lexus version of it mm-hmm. and yeah. not the Toyota nameplate. Land Cruisers, you know, 4 Runners, is.
0: Tacomas, all of those, the floor of how they depreciate seems to be a lot higher than all of their competitors. And that's what he's talking about. Yeah, which is amazing. So they, they do run really well. And look, and I'm going to go ahead and say right now, Tyler, not... Nothing wrong with those choices. No, I, Not at is, all. If this is just find, me you know, coming like. and bringing you. I have two. I have three, actually. I have three alts for you. And I, I like them. Uh, I have different amounts of like for each of them, but I have three complete alts for you. Just to have something else
1: to look for. Mm, good. I've got a few as you're here as well. I, I'm starting out in Wranglerville because okay, sure. naturally, what do you sure. gravitate towards in this arena for what you're yeah, looking yeah, for? Yeah. $12,000 is going to get you a decent Wrangler. Yeah, it will. For sure, it will. You could probably find the four door if you want, but I would just say straight up Wrangler. Mm-hmm. It almost doesn't matter the year. It, sure, yeah. It just matters, you know. I want the Wrangler. I want the off road capability. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. they're designed for. I mean, this is the sweet spot of the market. They they do hold on to their value, I think, when new. But you know, the even the '90s Wranglers just 2000s, keep going back. Yeah. easy to find those for twelve k.
0: Well, and it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be his everyday car either. It's not the car that's going to always get driven. If you're if you're keeping that Golf, yeah, because got the golf. then the Wrangler is all good. I mean, yeah. if you do the uh, the '90s ones, you can still get that really cool uh, four liter six cylinder, which is a great engine.
1: That's the bulletproof. That's yeah, the that holy grail. Too. So that's I like the Wrangler six. option. I really do. Keep going. Yeah. All right. So then I found you in Toyota Land. I went back, way back, okay, to 1986. Wait, what? Actually, 1987. Sorry, I take that back. Found your Land Cruiser. That is the okay. FJ60 Land yeah, Cruiser yeah, yeah. for six k. Oh, okay. Now, she's got some frame rust. <laughs> <laughs> I found it. Oh, no. But she's a project truck, okay? A pro. He didn't say I want a project. He said I want an off-roader. Well, yes. It's got 127,000 <laughs> miles. It's a project truck. Four-speed manual. Oh, man. And it has new tires and a lot of new stuff, like a new starter, mm-hmm. new air conditioner. <laughs> Needs a new frame, but that's okay. It's got some frame rust. That's, that's terribly funny. the ad says if you get that you know, sorted out you take <laughs> care of that, suddenly you've got a $20,000 cool Land Cruiser. Yeah, just a thought. Yeah, you've only paid six k. Okay, but you're gonna have to dump some money into it. On the other hand, those are sweet. Those are those really boxy looking Mm -hmm. the the FJ sixty four doors. Sure, sure, super cool. You could, if you have the time, desire, and money to throw at it. (laughs) Okay, all right, all right. But my number one choice for you, Tyler, is Ford. Really? Okay. Found you ninety five. Ford Bronco XLT for ten seven, and the mm, reason I'm steering okay. you towards Ford is because you're asking for the reliability, mm-hmm. and you're talking about Toyota reliability. Yeah, Ford might not touch the Toyotas, but it's a Ford. Yeah, yeah. You get stranded, you're on a highway somewhere, and you pull into you know the remote gas station chances are good that they're able to fix the Ford better than they're able to fix the Toyota. Oh, look. Parts. Yeah, fair point. Maybe. So I'm looking at the parts thing. You want to go to your local parts store? Mm. Everything in Mm. there will fit on the Ford. (laughs) That's the good thing. (laughs) Yeah. And the the Broncos, that XLT, the two-door, they have loads of space in the back. They are a true four-wheel drive. Mm. They're pretty lame interiors. They're pretty boring, pretty straightforward. (laughs) But you know what? You can put a better nav system in it and That's not, this isn't your daily. This is Mm -hmm. not why you're buying this thing. This is to bomb around in and actually fill it full of camping gear and go off roading. This is what these things are designed to do. There's a load of them in the 12 and under range. In the 12 to, uh, I don't know, 10 or 8 range, there's loads of these things. Some are customized already, some have the lift kits and the bigger wheels and tires. Yeah. You can find a lot of choices. I'm looking at Ford Broncos just because. Okay. They'll just they'll either run or if they don't run you can easily find parts and mm. you can make those things run. Yeah, I see it, which I, see I like.
0: It. Okay, all right. Uh, I actually uh, I, I just added a fourth while we're talking. Okay, that's more of a question for you than anything, Tyler. Uh, you're looking at these Toyotas. Have you considered a used FJ Cruiser? And I wouldn't have thought about that. Okay, but uh, they are actually you can get used ones down at your budget. Believe it or not. Now, I was looking. I was looking. Actually, actually, as we're doing this, most of the ones that are at your budget are. I'm not kidding you. Between 150 and 250 thousand miles. Now that says two what, things it's a Toyota. to me. Clearly, those keep running. Uh-huh. People are selling them with that amount of mileage because they've used them, and clearly, they keep running. Uh, and also I actually found one local to us here in Ogden that is already like four by four set up, lifted big wheels, you know, the, the really? roof rack and everything. I mean, that is a that's a mean looking FJ Ooh, right there. It's black yeah, with very the roof cool. rack. Oh, I, so, like I mean, the that's got a, it's got a ton of miles it's over 200,000 miles. But but the reason I bring this up is because when we did that Moab episode, I was surprised to see mm. more than one of those in fully stock form just. Out there, just doing it. (laughs) And
1: they're doing fine. Yeah, they're doing great. So the FJ
0: Cruiser, I'm wondering, since you're having a Toyota discussion, you could go with that. The only thing I really don't like about these, honestly, is the rear three-quarter visibility is mostly terrible. But depending on your usage, you may have the whole back stuffed with gear anyway, and you can't see anyway. So it might not matter. You can wear your tall hat collection while you're driving. You can, but you just can't see out of the back three-quarter. So so there's that. Uh, How new could you get a Forester? That's, That's the most... Non off-road as an option. I was trying to think about what's the one that gets us closest to not really an off-road car, and I think the Forester may be an option here. Mm. That's kind of in like gray area territory. That and the FJ for me are like this almost wild cards because I'm not sure. I have two that I love for you though, Tyler. Okay. All right. One of them is shop late '90s Yukons or Tahoes, the two door. Tahoe's and Yukon's. You've gotten by with a two-door. You like having hatch space. You want to go off-road. You need reliability. Two-door Tahoe. They're very cool. They're bulletproof. Like you said with Ford. In this case, it's just Chevy parts. Take that anywhere you want and beat on it and
1: done. Seen. You don't want to pay the Toyota tax? Two-door Tahoe. And, you know, you go to your local Napa Auto Parts, and, you know, you can just totally. rebuild the thing. Totally, absolutely. Thing so two-door
0: Tahoe or Yukon, I think that this is like ninety seven, ninety nine, that kind of range of price. Our friend Donnie here locally has one that he drives all winter, yeah, and he takes that. it everywhere. It's true. Takes it everywhere. So uh, that, uh, honestly, I think would be fantastic for you. The other one I want to say that I, I will say from personal experience, and I read this and I went, you know what you really could get, hmm. and you're going to be surprised, but you've had that Golf and you like it. This is your I want to go anywhere, and I've had experience just in the last couple weeks that's made me think of this even more. Tyler, have you thought about a used first-gen Cayenne? $12,000 gets you one of those cars now. You're not buying the big boy with the monster engine. The problem with the Cayenne is going to be that when it has maintenance intervals, they're expensive maintenance intervals. Yeah. That's going to okay. be at the big 40,000 mark. So if you find one that somebody's selling for, you know, this one has 75,000 miles on it, guess what? It needs that service. Hey, I'm selling mine for 130,000 miles. Guess what? It needs that service. That, that's why <laughs> that's happened. But here's the thing. If you hmm. don't buy the big expensive engine versions, they are A, cheap, and B,
1: they just run. You know, if you can find one that has been sorted by somebody with actually higher miles, it sounds strange, but that means usually all those problem areas have been sorted out and taken care of at that point. Somebody is selling it for, you know what, it's a fourth car and we don't need it anymore or whatever, but they've but they may driven have, it. They're going to last a long time. They may have miles. Who cares? Ours yeah. has got 110,000 miles
0: on it. And the other reason I thought of this is because if something that happened to my wife this week. Okay? okay. We got this crazy, crazy snowstorm here. Right, More snow than I've ever seen on my driveway. and I've lived in the house for eight years.
1: To and then the you point, come to my driveway and
0: separate encounter thing. even more snow. Separate thing. Right. So, to the point that I was concerned about getting the Lancer, which is bulletproof in the winter. I've loved it. The, getting it down my driveway just because of snow depth... Mm -hmm. So a couple of situations, until I spent two hours with the snowblower actually digging out the driveway and still didn't find concrete. This is how nasty it was. Anyway, (laughs) trust me, this is the biggest first world problem in my life. I'll be okay. (laughs) But the thing is, I was concerned about, in a couple of situations, getting down the drive. And then I thought the extra clearance of the Cayenne is what I need now. Yeah, yeah. Drop that down into the low range. Because the first gens have serious low range. This is the other thing about it. The first gens do. Is yours still considered first gen? Believe it or not, yes. It, really? it's, it's the point two. It's the Porsche point two. Okay, okay, okay. So, but they just didn't make the car for a year between the point one and the point two of the that's first gen. They right. didn't make the car in oh seven. They they retooled a get, lot. If you can get an oh eight to twenty ten, that's the point two, the back half of the first gen. Those are the better cars. The early ones can be money pits if you buy the V eight. But yours is worth more than twelve grand. Is uh, it not? It's, it's like fourteen now. Is it really? For a twenty ten with a hundred thousand miles. That's why I'm. That's why I think this is viable huh. for Tyler. So it's got a full low range gearbox. My wife, I, I showed her how to do it. Just back up, turn the car around in a little kind of clear space we had, and, and then it and then it was it. just low range and just it's you just see it swimming. Literally, right. I stood in the, in our front room at one point when my wife was leaving and we had talked about it. She needed to go somewhere. And I literally watched her swim off the drive in the Cayenne, all That's four awesome. wheels spinning, That's you know, awesome. drifting a little bit. Sure. And she just powered away. So that makes me think, Tyler, why not first-gen Cayenne? Shop smart, do the maintenance, but it's going to run. It's got a great low-range gearbox. It's the complete counterpoint to your to- Toyotas and your Chevys and your Fords. <laughs> but you could do it, and I think you'd love it.
1: Interesting. And always keep in mind, if at first you don't succeed... Hit it with some speed. That's, that should <laughs> that's, be your off-road motto. That's what right happened there.
0: with the Lancer later on. Before I cleared <laughs> the driveway, I literally just like lined it up and, and revved it up, and I get off the drive.
1: I get off the drive. <laughs> I have yet to see a Cayenne with a blade plowing anybody in Park City. I've seen the Tahoe and the Yukon with a blade. there's sure. one that plows my neighborhood. It's got a plow on the front and the back. There,
0: honestly, there is no more Park City visual. I should get a blade for my old Cayenne. I there think is you no more Park City visual than I am plowing your driveway with a Porsche
1: Cayenne. Why hasn't there? that happened? Oh, well, you know, I need another job. That sounds like fun. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> All right. Well, Tyler, thank you so much for writing to us. As I've said before, please write to us with your debate. And then we're going to jump into social media questions right now. Mm-hmm. These are things that are really just on your mind, timely kinds of things. Yep, totally. Thank you guys for writing in. You've inundated us yet again. There's a question on Instagram that I want to start out with from Diego Villamil 1990. Okay. He says, hey, guys why did the Shelby 500 not have the latest body redesign? And as you know, I'm a sucker for design questions, but generally speaking, I can't speak for Ford's design department. I'm not privy to their inner workings, but generally speaking, you'll notice that the high-performance models of any car come out at the end of a body style. Mm -hmm. BMW is notorious for this. So the latest, hottest, greatest, whatever version of that, it's at the end of that body style run because then they introduce the new car, and it's yeah, usually yeah. the mid-range engine option. They don't introduce the brand new M3 to start off with. No, no, they introduce the 320 or, you know, whatever that sure, sure. is. No, no, of course, kind of, the, of course. Yeah,
0: they work their way there. The engine, it, that's yeah. exactly
1: what they do. It's, it's kind of a thing with car manufacturers. Audi mm-hmm, does this, mm-hmm. Ford, that's generally the reason why. And that Shelby was probably started being developed before or maybe concurrently with the new car, with Mm -hmm. the new Mustang. So they're thinking, all right, well, we want to kind of do some different things. It's a bit of a special car. Let's let the new Mustang, the new one run. Yeah, yeah. You know, we'll get to that when we get to that. And then that's, again, a generalization. I'm not privy to Ford's business model, but you can kind of see it across a lot of car manufacturers. This is... It's kind of how yeah. they think. The yeah. hottest model. Porsche does this. The GT3 RS, the hottest, latest thing, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. comes out at the end, and suddenly we have the 992. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, the, the gt 3 RS kind of drops thinking.
0: at the last breath, and now we have the new one. Yeah, good point. Very good So point. that's
1: a generalization again, okay. but that's kind of that. probably some reasons behind that. Awesome. Speaking of design, see Mystic Negro, our friend George, just calling you out.
0: I George, did. thank you for this question because I have said this to Paul, I'm not kidding you, for years. George says that Car and Driver very briefly did a series on YouTube years ago where it was a designer sketching out a car and they were kind of showing that off and they haven't done that in a while. And you've said you would like Paul to do something like that. So would I, by the way. We've we've joked about it being called Paul's Design Corner, and it would literally be a discussion of take a car that works or take a car that could work better or take a car that needs a design breakdown, and Paul just lays some paper over the actual drawing and just starts playing. We we originally talked about this. The the idea came up because of the original Panamera (laughs) before they fixed the back end of Paul just sitting down and going – Let's try anything else here, okay? So I I love this idea. Granted, it's on our long list of things we should shoot for the show, but I I love that you're coming in with a little bit of pressure, George. I think that's great because I would love for Paul to do a sketching design thing because the thing that you have the freedom to do that all these other designers don't is you have no NDAs to worry about and you have no No. concern about, I'm a Honda designer showing uh, BMW what to
1: do. That's true. And they may not want to do that. You can just play I've always told you that if I were to work at a car company or a yeah, studio yeah. wherever, you and I couldn't do what we do. No, not not at all. Because at all. you know, everybody would say, Oh, well the reason you like Honda so much is because you work for Honda. Totally. I can see right through
0: you. Or Honda saying you can't be out there publicly driving who else's exactly. car. We're just we just picked Honda by the way. Any any car manufacturer Anything. would say yeah. that. You would have major restrictions into what you'd be allowed to do, which is why I like this sketching idea of taking other people's
1: designs and going, let's do something different. Yeah, you're right. All right, George, I like the pressure. It came from that Panamera, and I always told Todd mm-hmm. it should have a Cayman back end the on the The first-gen Cayman little
0: duck tail feel would it have should been come really then, cool on that car. You know,
1: kick up a little bit? Yeah. Guess what they did for the second generation? They didn't more. hear me,
0: but, you know, <laughs> I was talking about it for a long time. Uh, Nate, Our friend Nate in Chicago had a question that yeah. relates to OSU Cherokee's question on Instagram. I'm going to see if I'm timed together. We're talking oh, about electric cars and alternative powertrains. Nate is saying, okay, hang on. Why did the Volt, by the way, GM makes the Volt and the Bolt. Very confusing. I speak very quickly. (laughs) This has confused lots of people. The Bolt, with a B as in boy, is the all-electric car from GM. We have a Bolt versus Model 3 piece at the beginning of Season 3. A lot of people have liked that episode. This is not about that. This is about the Volt with Mm -hmm. V as in Victor. Mm -hmm. Okay? Okay? The Volt is a hybrid. But the Volt was interesting because think of it like a locomotive. That's weird, but follow me. The, the wheels, there's exceptions, but by and large, this is the way it works. The wheels were driven by an electric motor, period. There is a gasoline four-cylinder on board that is designed to create electricity for when the battery runs out. mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So you get twenty, depending on when you bought it, twenty to forty miles worth of range and all electric coming off batteries, and then the batteries get low enough that this uh, this gasoline motor kicks on as a generator to create electricity to keep the car moving forward. Nate's question is, why didn't this idea do better? Because mm-hmm. the problem with electric cars is range, time it takes to charge, and availability of t- charging stations. The great thing about right. the volt was I'm almost out of electricity but I can fill the car up with gas and keep driving cross-country and hit every gas station and continue to go because that infrastructure is there. Or if I can get somewhere where I can charge it overnight, guess what? I can charge it too. Nate, I have no idea why this didn't work. I think GM did a terrible job of naming those two cars so similarly and not getting the word out of the versatility of the Volt. We have always liked it. It was a good car. Yeah, Yeah. That leads me to OSU Cherokee, which is saying that GM and other manufacturers, but GM has talked about it. The opportunity of taking old cars or gasoline cars and swapping out the engines for an electric powertrain. Right, right. Jaguar did it with the the E Type, but you know right. GM's done it. There's this uh, Copo Camaro thing. Right, the drive. He's talked about all of those. Car, yeah. He's sitting sitting here saying, "Is this the future?" See how it relates to, to Nate's question: Is yeah. this the future? Are yeah. we going to go all electric drivetrains? Are we going to swap them out? And then he's saying, "Is electricity even the future?" Now here's the room full of rakes. <laughs> Okay, I'm, in I'm walking here? in, I'm walking in eyes wide open to the fact I'm probably going to be hit in the face by some <laughs> angry email. But here's the thing. The problem with electricity that I see and you've even brought it up, OSU Cherokee, the problem is availability of lithium, hmm. which to the moment has not been an issue. There is for all of the discussion of the fact that oil will eventually run out, compared to lithium, there's a lot Lithium, as far as the ability to find it, there's not that much in the world. And if I remember correctly, it's like in one place in Africa, but correct me when I'm wrong. And I'm sure I am. But there's not much comparatively. Mm. But right now, we have electric cars that are roughly 2% of the market. Okay. If it's 50% of the market, folks, batteries are no longer cheap. Supply and demand, lithium is going to be frighteningly expensive. It's going to be the new gold Mm. because there's so little of it. I think electricity, and look, there may be other battery technology, but battery technology has its limits like everything else. The problem with electrics taking over is the availability of the chemical to make the batteries. And if the entire market, look, honestly, 30%, 50% of the market goes electric, do we have enough of the resource to make the battery for that part of the market to even survive? I don't think electric is the universal future just because of that problem. Forget everything else. Forget infrastructure okay. and charging okay. and all that kind of stuff. All right. I think the chemical, let's just stay with lithium for now. I think the resource thought. that is necessary to make the batteries, there will not be enough of it for it to take over. And I think there will be other alternatives. And I think 25, 50 years in the future, I don't think it will be, oh, it's all electric cars. I think there will be a lot of them, but there will be multiple types of drivetrains.
1: Interesting. I, I feel like there's going to be so much coexisting. I mean – the autonomy thing, that's going to be coexisting with everybody who wants completely, to drive. Completely, completely, yes. It, that is the future. I think you're right. Everybody's still exploring. Toyota's still exploring fuel cell technology. Yes, which I think is going you to know? be out there as a real option, too, I think for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. If it can't be grown, it must be mined,
0: right? Well, and but supply and demand is a thing. When mm-hmm. you're 2% of the market, supply and demand is not an issue on your resource. When you're 50%, mm-hmm. it's a problem.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Unless some alt battery manufacturer is explored. I'm sure it but it's, is. But
0: it's all about the resource. You've got to
1: dig something up for it to be in a battery. You have yeah. to. What
0: is, What is that resource? And <laughs> how much of it is there? And is there enough for the entire
1: market to switch over? And I suspect no. Hmm. Interesting. All right. A question on Instagram from Justin Jarlitz. Do we know of any electric race cars that people regularly track other than Formula E? Mm. To my knowledge, there is electricautosport.com that covers the electricgt.co series. Hmm. The uh, initial homepage here says the age of light. I'm really not sure what that means, but... (laughs) <laughs> but it um,
0: looks cool on our website.
1: The age of light. Oh, I like that. Age of light. It's, Let's make that our slogan. It's Teslas and yeah. carts, essentially. And and people okay. have been racing Teslas for a while. As a matter of fact, yeah. the last that I'd heard of as September of 2018. Was this this series needed funding? Still, mm-hmm. despite the cool website, they still needed funding. From what I understood, I'm not sure where they are at this point. But I know Teslas are are you know, excellent. They're hugely eligible to go racing, and people are sorting out the range and cooling mm-hmm. issues of mm-hmm. course from tracking a car but other than that think about the electric cars you really want to race a leaf or an i3 that really i it it'd be okay on, yeah, but exactly. everything else is going to be home brewed you know somebody building it in their garage and going drag racing with it and it's always you know some <laughs> youtube video out there <laughs> youtube content But for sure. uh, but yeah that's really the only one that i know of is the the tesla series so you can go to electricgt.co a little bit more information on there but again I have no idea where the race series is at at this point. Baloo240
0: on Instagram said, can we define – I think we've talked about this a little bit before. Can we define maintenance versus repairs? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Uh, let me let me see if I can clarify this because we've talked a lot of times about how European cars require more maintenance. Let, let, me, let me see if I can define. Repairs are the oops, that broke. The unexpected, this car needs blank. Mm-hmm. Maintenance is – oh. I'll go just stay with Porsche real quick. At every 40,000 miles, here is the list of things you should do. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. European cars tend to have look, I'm painting with a very broad brush here. They tend to have more rigid maintenance intervals that the car will actually, you will physically notice the decrease in its ability to run right if you didn't do the maintenance <laughs> yeah yeah your your honda accord you didn't do the maintenance it doesn't care your chevy product probably doesn't care either the, you can miss the main and i'm not recommending this by the way you should still do the maintenance but those german cars are kind of like thoroughbreds in that if you don't feed them right they quit running properly OK, yeah, so yeah. that is the thing is those European cars, those maintenance intervals are not really suggestions. If you don't do this, guess what? The car doesn't run like it should. A lot of the other manufacturers, uh, you know, American and Asian and those kind of things, those cars just keep running. My joke is that they run in spite of you, not because of you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that doesn't necessarily equate to the kind of repairs a car needs. I think generally in our experience, the experience of others close to us. Porsches require regular maintenance, but they rarely require repairs. BMWs require Mm -hmm. regular maintenance, but I've known lots of people that have done a lot of repairs on them too. But they're not synonymous. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that helps a a bit.
1: Yeah. the, The maintenance is, of course, oil changes. But maintenance is if somebody were to say, well, why did you spend money replacing that part? when it ran fine your car's fine mm. and say you have an older BMW and you know there's a history of this particular part is known to wear out at this mileage it's known that these will fail and you go ahead and spend the money to do that before mm. it does mm. yeah 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 somebody will question you your wife your you know your husband your whoever that is yeah. and they'll yeah, say yeah. Well, it was running fine why why would you spend money on something yeah. that isn't broken that's the repair the maintenance is I replaced I it before it. Yeah. the disaster occurred. Yep. I That's that. where they can be more expensive. And, you know, when you're into the older German cars, things like that, and mm-hmm. you know, you're deep into the forums and people say, well, this is the thing you got to watch out for. Go ahead and replace this regardless yeah, yeah. of your mileage, you know, regardless of time, which is the other thing that, mm-hmm. you know, all these companies do. It's not just mileage based. It's also time based. If a True. car sits, you know, over time, you know, tires, you know, yeah, r- yeah, rubber yeah. components, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. It totally. needs lubrication. So drive your cars. That's the best way to keep them running is <laughs> drive them. <laughs> yep. They like to be driven. All right. Question on here from Dallas Mills. He saw a Porsche front sticker badge option on a GT3. Mm, there it is. Supposedly for weight savings. <laughs> Stickers are lighter. Yes. They are. Yeah. What are my favorite ridiculous options that Porsche offers? Uh-oh. Well, Chance actually made me aware of the Porsche 917 race car. They had drilled the key, like taken weight out of the key because mm. they drilled a hole in it. So less material in the key. Because <laughs> that's going to matter. It yeah. matters. Okay. And so they keep it going with stickers. But I think right now, and I'm, I'm not sure how ridiculous this is because it's actually I can see a place for it, but it's that ionizer button that we identified in the, the Macan yeah. at the show. Obviously, for the Chinese market, their air quality is terrible, but I actually just read that some places in the U.S. are Worse than Beijing. Awesome. So All right, let's the move ionizer there. is actually
0: not bad. Are you, I thought you were going to say painted vents because come on.
1: Well, that is a necessity: food,
0: water, internet, <laughs> And painted vents. Painted vents naturally.
1: <laughs> Don't understand what the problem
0: yeah. is. Uh huh. Want a guy to stand there and go? Whoosh,
1: whoosh. They actually That'll do. Be $1, they $1, they $1. hold yeah. them. They, they mount yeah. them on their their little uh-huh. tree. Their of course they do. Armature and yeah. then they hand paint them because that's what you paid for. The interior okay. trim, all right. it's
0: actually a person. Yeah, it's frightening. J.R. Schultz on Instagram says, Okay, within one month, the month of January, and it's not over yet. He's still got a week. Within one month, <clears throat> brace yourself, he got a dent in his company work truck. I love he curbed speech. a wheel on his wife's car. He cracked his, a car's car's mirror, all due to slippery snow surfaces. Is this enough to convince my wife the merits of winter tires? junior I'm going to ask the question back of you. Is this somehow
1: not enough? (laughs) Exactly. Really?
0: (laughs) Exactly. If if, if all of those issues, and I'm sorry that's all happened to you, if all of those issues are literally from sliding for lack of traction, I don't know where you live, but yes, winter tires, my friend. And they're still, look, note note what happened with me and the Lancer and some ice earlier this, this year. It's still not a guarantee, yeah, but it right. at least defends you for random stuff not happening. And the number of people that I have driven past this heavy winter so far is sh- is innumerable. I can't even keep track of the number of people that in big four-wheel drive or they're a livery person taking people that like goes and pick up airport runs and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, and I'm yeah. still going by them. Winter tires are the thing. I know I am the, the, maybe the last person yelling in the wilderness about this, but seriously, <laughs> I can't believe your wife is already not convinced because if it's all related to snow surfaces, guess what? Tires.
1: We had a comment from Kyle Cox over at Cox Tire over here Mm -hmm. on uh, whatever the posting was about winter tires. Yeah. And that day that it snowed so heavy, Mm -hmm. he said there were over 100 accidents in Park City alone. In Park City, which you'd think
0: people would know better, and it was just due to conditions and bad tires. Yep. It was their joking post that we did about the uh, annual collection, annual <laughs> gathering of the summer tire original. group. not original. It's been around for a long but time. But it's very but funny. It's, it's, it's hilarious. Funny. I couldn't yeah. help but repost it. And he it. had to comment on that about how they, they had heard about 100 people because, <laughs> of course, they're all going to Cox to get them fixed. Which exactly. Means, but that's also just the ones that he heard about, which means there's, a, there's other
1: places in town that had people. To, that's amazing that's to think insane. about, honestly. All right. jump into Twitter briefly over here from Bread Godfather, we've got a question. What is the best sports car for insurance? Hmm. Well, insurance companies look at the individual. And there are insurance agents that can speak to this far better than I can. Yeah. But this is the reason they want to know your driving history and your age and your marital status yeah. and all those things because they're looking at you. They're not looking at a swath of people. Yeah. They're even looking yeah, yeah. at zip codes. When I lived in LA, I was up in Glendale. And North Glendale was less expensive than South Glendale. Sure, sure, sure. that's yeah. how it was. Yeah. But it's based on your zip code. It's based on so many factors. And that's why I really... You've got to work closely with your insurance agent to kind of find out, all right, you know, am I going to get dinged worse? What's funny is, I think, wasn't your lease that actually turned out to be less? It was something, a, a sports car that you bought that turned out to be like a few dollars less per month. Well, but here's the thing. I had but my, that was just by virtue I had of the my car, Saburu, right?
0: And I went to, which was at 05, but it's difficult to find body panels. And so it was more expensive than That's the WRX. Then I went to the FRS, and it was cheaper than the Subaru. Because there were Despite more body panels sports available. Car. sports car. And then the Elise yeah. is, is like within a dollar of the FRS as far as the, the – it's like a dollar or two more a month. But I would say to you the answer to this question, the cheapest sports car to insure is the old one that's worth nothing. Yeah. As you go back older, that's honestly what they're looking at. They're looking about how much is it going to cost us to either replace this part or write this car off. And yeah. if you bought a $5,000 Miata that's worth $4,000 – math didn't work out well, but from an insurance perspective, you're like, sure, let's insure that for the 18-year-old. Yeah, exactly.
1: MR2s and all those older stuff. Sure. Unless it's, for some reason,
0: old and collectible, that's a whole different animal. But the old sports cars are cheap uh, cheap to insure because they don't cost much to buy or replace.
1: Yeah. I mean, other than that. You've just got to if that's the car you want, like a <clears throat> Cayman, then you've got to bite the bullet and be yeah. willing to pay for it. So that's that's the trade-off.
0: Steve Malone on Facebook says, so "When is it okay to purchase a Honda Ridgeline?" He's a car guy asking. Steve, honestly, here's the thing about the Ridgeline. The Ridgeline is great if you and, – and follow me here. If you need the utility of a pickup, and I think the people that need that, that's not a lot of us. But you need the utility of a pickup, but you are not personally tied to it has to look and work like traditional American pickups. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It needs to be the body on frame with the big engine and the huge chrome, and the, it needs to be a truck. If you're not linked to that, it's great because it is – The utility and some kind of out of the box thinking of a pickup while still driving and running a lot like a car.
1: I thought they did awesome, especially the I liked the first generation. I did too. I still do. A friend of mine, Damon Shell, worked on that. He's an Acura designer now and he was working on the original ridge line there. And I liked how it turned out, but the mm-hmm. reason that they went to the second-gen ridge line with the separation between bed and mm-hmm. body is because it didn't look like a real pickup truck to traditional pickup truck because, buyers. Because yeah, it had
0: a unibody frame. It was and unibody. Yeah. It
1: didn't have that shut line, the split between bed and cab on a frame. That's a pickup truck. Mm-hmm. That's the recipe. And it didn't have that, and that's why they... I liked the Honda thinking. I agree with you. Like, I Agree with you. Why? Why get rid of? You know? Why not get rid of that line? Sure, sure. Let's yeah. make it a thing, and you you have more styling options that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But that's just didn't sell as well as they liked, so they went to the traditional pickup truck look for the second generation, and now it's selling like hotcakes. But it's still, but it's still
0: the alternative truck, though. It's it is. still not. It totally the, is. totally. I think they're awesome. Thing, and I think they're very cool. Yeah, for sure.
1: Guys, thank you a million for writing to us. We uh we're sorry we can't get to all the questions, but you're right. We need to do another uh it looks like question it, yeah. reset here. For so, sure, for sure. For for the podcast. We really appreciate it. We are definitely looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.